Welcome to a God Shift podcast, where we move you from disruption and delay into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. I'm your host, Shana Rattler, and I'm a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. Join myself and other leaders who unapologetically share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. You will learn how to bounce back from setbacks, disappointments, and uncertainty, and unlock the door to confidence move into your next chapter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A God Shift. I am your host, Shana Rattler, and I am so glad that you are here, but I have a favor to ask of you. Yes, that's right. Before we give you any good nuggets, I want something from you, (laughs) but it's super simple. I just want you to take a screenshot of wherever it is that you are listening to this episode and then post that screenshot on your social media. When you do, I just want to hear either your biggest aha moment or your takeaway from this episode, because I believe that the more people that have the opportunity to listen to these episodes, the more people we can give hope, the more people we can draw closer to God and the more people that we can bring into the kingdom. And there's no other reason that I do this podcast several days a week out of my life, other than to build the kingdom and to let people know that there's hope on the other side of whatever it is that they're going through. So again, take a screenshot, post it on your social media. And when you do just tag us here at a God shift. So thank you for that. Now we'll get to the good stuff, what you're really here for. You didn't come to do work. So I'm going to read my guest bio, and then we're going to get into what I know is going to be another fabulous conversation. So my guest and his wife graduated from the University of Virginia, married and moved to the Dominican Republic to be missionaries all in the space of three months. Their life together with Jesus and their five children has continued to be an adventure. After completing his master's in civil engineering at UVA, the Lord called him to advanced native missions after he had worked as an environmental engineer. He has a passion for building teams. He loves encouraging the A&M staff and both equipping and advocating for Native missionaries as they endeavor to reach the remaining unreached people groups of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to welcome to the show, Oliver, Oliver Asher. Thank you, Shana. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Appreciate I'm you so having glad me you're here. So before we get into the conversation You know, I've read the bio. Those are all eloquently written as they should be. But I would love if you would just tell us in your own words a little bit more about what you do. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm the president of Advancing Native Missions, as you as you said there. And we have a vision, uh, Shana, uh, that's right out of the scriptures. It's Matthew 24, 14 says when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached throughout the world, geographic world, as a witness to all nations, ethnos, people groups, then the end will come. And so that's our vision has been for 30 years is to see that the gospel of Jesus is preached throughout the entire world. And the way we do that, Shane, is a little different and a different kind of paradigm. Even for me, 30 years ago, when I you know, found out about advancing native missions, I thought the only way you could be a missionary was to go somewhere. And my wife, actually, as you read there, we did. We went to the Dominican Republic for a year right out of college. 
And but I found out there's another way. What what we do at AM is we equip, encourage, and advocate for uh, native missionaries or indigenous missionaries that are fruitful, strategic, they love the Lord, they're reaching the least reach and the unreached in their areas. And so we just really chain and come along beside them, become really their servants and say, hey, how can we help you to reach, you know, your people and the unreached around you? And so that might mean Bibles. It might mean, you know, bicycles, motorcycles to get somewhere, a church building, you know, whatever it is. We want to just come along beside them, you know, and help them get the gospel to the ends of the earth. So really, in a nutshell, you know, that's our vision and mission. That's what we do. Yeah, I love that there are so many different ways to get the word out. You know, it doesn't have to be face to face. Someone I was being interviewed by someone last week and they asked me about, um, you know, me evangelizing. And I said, well, the good thing is, is that I'm a digital evangelist these days and it doesn't require me to have to leave home to do it. Not because I don't leave home, not because I have an issue with sharing Jesus with people on an airplane or in a grocery store, but we're at home so much now that it's good that we have opportunities to get the word out digitally. And there's also, it's also good that there are people like yourself that have the desire to go to other countries, especially areas that may not have access to the same types of resources that we are fortunate enough to in, you know, in first world world countries. So I'm, I'm glad to see that, that you guys have figured out that like, Hey, we don't have to go to every single country every single year and, you know, like live out of a bus <laughs> or a cardboard <laughs> box or whatever it is that I visualize people. Some people have to do when they're they're on these missions. So kudos to you guys. So I want to talk a little bit because I can imagine, Oliver, that in your years of doing this, that things have not always been easy. You know, for you, for those of you that are looking on the screen, neither one of us are 15 years old. And so that means that we probably have been through some things in our life. And the name of my podcast and all of my platforms is a God shift. And when people hear that, they ooh and they ah. I've actually got my God shift t-shirt on this morning. But frankly, nobody has any idea what the heck a God shift is. So let me just define it. My definition of a God shift is the moment a disruption in your life collides with God's purpose. And then it moves you into new dimensions of possibility. And I believe that God allows trials He allows unexpected circumstances, albeit some of them are not always negative, but I believe that he uses them to get our attention in order to invite us into the light that he has planned for us. So Oliver, I would love to hear if you would be willing to share a time in your life that God actually had to use some form of disruption or some type of trial in order to get you to where you are today. Well, Shane, I love that term, God shift. Yeah, I was the same way when I read that. I said, wow, that's that's a great way to, you know, talk about transformation. And really, I can I can name at least probably four or five uh, God shifts in my life. Um, so, Shane, just real quick, uh, started out, uh, was born in Florida, raised there in the projects. My mom was a teenager when she had me. My dad was in prison. Uh, from there, after he got out of prison, we moved to Virginia where my family lived. Uh, my dad's side of the family. So uh, moved to a holler uh, just in Southwest Virginia in the Appalachian Mountains and just began to live the, the simple country life. Um, but really the God shift, the main one that happened in my wife, Shane, my life, Shane, it was when I, uh, when my grandmother, Lily, uh, told my mom, Carol, about the Lord Jesus. And my mom, Carol, believed in Jesus right away. And then my mom 
Carol told me and my brother and my sister about Jesus, and we believed right away. So I have the same testimony as Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5, where Paul says to Timothy, the faith I saw in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I see in you. And wow. so I owe my faith certainly to a praying grandma. Man, she loved Jesus. That's all she knew was Jesus. She only talked about Jesus. So that's how I grew up and, you know, going to the churches and the hollers there in Southwest Virginia. And then my mom, Carol, again, just raised this most godly person I know, still the most, uh, you know, person most like Jesus that I know. So that was my influence. So that was the first God shift when I was eight years old. And I heard the good news of Jesus about this savior that left heaven, was, you know, born as a human, lived a sinless life, died a horrible death on a cross, you know, for my with my sins on him and the sins of the world, was laid in a tomb, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven. Uh Shane, when I heard that, I knew even as a boy I was a sinner. I'd already beat up my brother, I'd said bad words, stole a, a, a you know, an army Swiss knife from the five and dime. Ironically, I lost it going across the swinging bridge and I accidentally dropped it. But uh one time stole some pencils from a piggly wiggly. My mom took me back and made me apologize and get them back to the manager. You know, so I knew I was a sinner. And and just hearing that good news that Jesus came, you know, lived the sinless life, died on the cross for me, and rose again. So that certainly was the biggest God shift in my life. Yeah. Uh, the next one probably would be, so that was when I was eight years old. So when I was 12, though, another uh, major event happened in our life. And that was that our, uh, the little trailer we had on the side of a mountain burned down. Mm. So fortunately my mom was okay. Uh, she, uh, you know, got out. So that was the main thing. But then, you know, I remember riding the bus home from school, 12 years old, seventh grade, coming around that last bend and just seeing, you know, charred remains, you know, of that trailer. And so, yeah, so that really put our life uh, in a trajectory of my life and the lives of our family in a trajectory that we couldn't have imagined. So what we decided to do is we decided to move into a tool shed that we had on the property. Literally, the only thing it had it was not a very big building and it had a light bulb in the middle of it. Otherwise, it had no electricity, no running water, uh, had an outhouse on the side of a hill. And so we moved in there saying, hey, we'll live in here for six months, save up some money, you know, make a down payment on another trailer. Six months turned into six years. Oh, wow. So my, yeah. So my whole teenage life, you know, from 12 to 18 was lived in that, uh, you know, that shed, that shack. And there was a creek that ran by our house. That's a good thing about living in the mountains. You always have, you know, fresh, clean mountain water. Of course, it's pretty cold when you bathe in it. But, uh, you know, that's we washed everything in that creek. We went to the, you know, went to the outhouse. You know, Jeff Foxworthy said, you know, you know, you know, you might be a redneck, you know, if it takes tennis shoes and flashlights to go go to the bathroom at night. That was us. I mean, we were living, you know, the redneck life. That's my people group. And so anyway, though, so that was a big shift. And really, and even during that time, my sister died uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of kind of heartache. But you know what, Shane, it was okay because Jesus is with us. My mom, you know, again, loved the Lord. All of us kids, we were following the Lord. So that was a, a major shift. But again, you know, it was okay because the Lord loved us and was taking care you know, of us. I, I'm, cu- I'm curious because, first of all, I'm just glad to see that I wasn't the only heathen as a child. I can remember, I think <laughs> I was five. And yeah. my mother and I um, lived in a building where the leasing office was down on the first floor and they had a basket on the front door of the leasing office with a notepad and a pencil in it, probably so that you could leave a note if they weren't there. Well, I decided that that notepad and that pencil should be mine. <laughs> and I took it. And um, But I wasn't smart enough, like most children who do bad things, 
to keep yeah. it hidden. And my mom know that, knew that she hadn't bought it for me. And so she did the exact same thing that your mother did. She marched my little behind right back down there, <laughs> made me give it back to them and made me apologize. So first of yeah. all, thank you for the comfort in knowing that I wasn't the only heathen stealing child. <laughs> and I and, and, and Shane, I'd say even nerdy heathens, right? That we were we were stealing pencils, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, I, you know, getting my backpack ready. It was, uh, you know, first day of school was coming up, you know, putting these pencils in. And mom's like, Where'd you get those? I was like, uh, terrible liar, of course. You know, uh, yeah. you know, I took them from the Piggly Wiggly. And then, you didn't you know, know you marching. didn't know enough to lie well. Like that's the <laughs> exactly. thing about children. I don't want to get too far down a rabbit hole, but that's the thing yeah. about children is that they don't yeah. know enough to recognize yeah. that what they're saying makes sense to no one other than them. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, Oliver, I just want to ask you. So you, at a very young age, came to know Jesus, but you still yeah. had some tough times come into your life. You lost your home. You had to live in, you know, not the most ideal situations. You lost your sister and you said, yet everything was okay because God was with you. But I'm curious, what did you learn during that process? Maybe even about yourself or about how you, how you go through things the right way? Because one of the things that I've noticed in the, in the kind of real reason why I do what I do is that it seems like so many believers are not equipped to either, one, recognize that God allows things to happen in our lives for a reason. It's to develop us, not to destroy us, even though, my God, sometimes it feels like we're in the wilderness instead of instead of a workshop for sure. But I don't think that we're also equipped to know how to a prop- properly respond so that it's not completely damaging our lives, or it's not 40 years later and it's having the same effect of us on year 40 as it did on day 40. So I'm really just curious, what did you learn during that process of overcoming those disruptions? So Shana, I think I think what I learned, and really, I mean, honestly, it goes back to the title of my book, Invincible Joy, is that that you can have joy in spite of your circumstances, in spite of pain and suffering and hurt. I mean, the hardest, most painful day of my life are when my parents told me my sister had died in a car accident and just the the depth of that grief, you know, to lose your sibling. But you know what? On the other side of that, though, I found out that there's, there is hope, there is joy in Jesus. And that certainly, I mean, yeah, the hardship of living in that, you know, shack uh, and then having my sister die, that you know, some of the hardest times in my life, but I can honestly say, again, because of the joy that we have in Jesus. And that's a, to me, Shana, that's a, the difference between us as God's children in the world is that we don't have to respond like the world does yes. you know, to pain and suffering and whatever comes our way in life. We can always overcome. We are overcomers, right? I mean, gee, thanks be to God who gave us the victory through Jesus Christ. Uh, right. And then in Romans one, uh, you know, that there's no condemnation for those in Jesus. Romans uh, 8, 28, that for all things happen for good to those that love God and are called according to your pur- to his purpose. And if you truly believe that, then you have to believe whether it's good or bad that happens to us. It's still for our good. And, you know, that those that God has foreknown, he's predestined, he's called, he's justified, he's glorified. You know, it goes on in Romans 8 and 31. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, 
who yes. can be against us. You know, Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. God says in Romans 8, 31, you know, I am for you. The Holy Spirit says I am in you. So we have literally God in us, for us, and with us. And really that was that was the lesson. And I would say too that, like you said, nothing goes to waste in God's kingdom. Yes, um, I say know, that all so, the time. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. So now I'm working, you know, at a missions organization for, you know, 25 years. And I, I have traveled to 40 plus countries, you know, been able to stay in the homes of our missionaries that are often very, very poor. You know, it's very easy, whatever the conditions are, it's it's okay. It's not a problem, you know, because I've, you know, I've been in those conditions before. So God was really preparing me, I believe, for the missionary life. So that was that was probably the biggest lesson I learned. You know, I want to just expound on something that you said, because I believe that it's something that is worth going a little bit deeper. And it's something that we don't necessarily hear as often. And that's the fact that the way that the world operates, the way that the world system operates does not apply to us. And, you know, thank God for Facebook memories sometimes. And then other times you wish that it didn't remind you. So (laughs) I'm laying there this morning and, um, One of the first things that I do after I have my prayer time or whatever is I look at my Facebook memories. Well, Facebook reminded me this morning that one year ago today, I buried my father. Wow. But what I want to point out is that I was very intentional. You know, I thought for years, my dad raised me. I told you the story about my mother and I living in this building. But shortly after that, I went to go live with my dad. My dad got custody of me, I believe, when I was like six years old. And I always thought about how tough the day was going to be when my dad died. Like my dad was my everything. He was my rock. He was the person that I went to for advice. He was the person that I went to for money, (laughs) like everything that an earthly father could be. My father embodied that. And I'm so grateful for that experience. Amen. But since he was so good and since I relied on him for so much, I thought that the day that he died was going to be the most devastating time of my life. I envisioned myself not being able to get out of bed. I envisioned myself not being able to get off the floor. I envisioned myself not being able to breathe. And the Lord gave me such peace. Like one of the other memories that showed up was when my best friend posted how much I handled that day with grace. And why am I saying all this? I'm saying all that to say that one of the things that I was very intentional about was I told myself, I'm not going to allow other people, especially people that don't have the faith that I have and the relationship with God that I have to impose upon me what this time is going to be like, because I heard it's going to be hard as hell. It's going to be a roller coaster of emotions. One minute you're going to be fine and the next minute you're not. And I said, you know what? That may be possible, but that doesn't mean that it has to be my portion. It could just be that the same level of peace that I have right now is not because it hasn't settled in. It may just be that the level of peace that I have right now is the peace that God is going to give me until the day that I go to my grave. And it's been 365 days since I put my father in the ground. And I still every single day have had the same level of peace that I had on the day that he died. Now, do I miss him? Absolutely. Do I have days that I'm sad? Absolutely. Do I cry? Absolutely. But the overwhelming peace that I have is amazing. And so I want people to really listen to what it is that you're saying, Oliver, when you say, 
The world system doesn't apply to us. We don't have to do things the way that the world does them. We don't have to respond in the way that the world responds them, responds to them because we have a system that is so much greater than the world system. It tells us in Isaiah that his thoughts are higher than, than our thoughts, that his ways are higher than our ways. And I love that, you know, that theme has kind of followed you throughout your life. You said, you know what? Look, I was a little boy. And when I heard them say that God has helped sinners, I already knew that I was a sinner and I needed them. <laughs> That's right. I was able to see that as I was going through these things, that things were okay. And it's because we don't have to follow the same system that the world that the world follows. And I can't drive that home enough that what the, what the news is saying does not have to be our portion. When people tell you, oh, it can take 12 to 18 months for a business to get off the ground, it's possible, but it doesn't have to be your portion. And so if you're listening to this today and you're going through something, just because something is possible, yes, you may have a cancer diagnosis and death is possible, but it does not mean that it has to be your portion. Gina, that's that that's a great message. Exactly. And and that's the same thing the Lord taught me is like you said, we don't have to respond you know, to anything the way the world does, you know, because yeah. again, we have God in us, you know, and we have, again, all the fruit of the Holy Spirit that comes out and, you know, and, and just like you were saying there, and that that's really what I learned through those hard times is, yeah. you know what, God is, God is still here. He's with me. He's for me. He's in me. And I'm going to continue to have that hope, you know, not only in heaven, but in, in this life as well. So yeah, we well can use said. that. Like this is the one time you get to use somebody. You get to use the God that is in you. <laughs> Amen. Exactly. You get to rely on him. Like you said, he's a rock. He's our fortress you know, and we get to get to stand on him. And so, and Shana, going back to transformation. So I want to tell you that, you know, kind of the end of the story there. So in that shack lived there and graduated from high school from there. Thank God that uh, he gave me an ability to play football uh, in the local high school. Unfortunately, our team was horrible. Uh, We had like four winning seasons in 20 years. But we had a coach that moved in my junior year. He led us to a district championship. We had some good athletes. And that's where I got noticed for college. You know, even though I went to a small country school, 400 kids in 7 through 12, uh, but uh, was uh, offered scholarship to the University of Virginia to play football. So I went from, you know, that shack to a first-year dorm at UVA, which was certainly culture shock, right? And then that first year, we actually played in the Peach Bowl. So in Atlanta, you know, now in five-star hotels, police escort around the city. So that was the other transition in my life, God shift. You know, the Lord brought me up out of that, you know, and again, just through hard work. I mean, like you said, every day, Shane, I mean, I get up with a purpose, you know. I mean, you, you know, get up and pray, you fellowship with the Lord, you have affirmations, declarations. You know, I, I, I talk to myself. I don't let my feelings dictate, you know, what my day is going to be like. I, I go to the word of God, right? Believe in the word of God, trust in the word of God, got those daily habits. And that's really been my life. And, you know, what helped me to kind of get out of the holler. But God, from there, he chose me to get out, met my wife, Andrea, there in, in college. And again, that was the other, you know, God shift was getting out of there because that was my dream. And honestly, my dream actually was to play professional football. Like a lot of kids that play D1 athletes, I mean, yeah. athletics, right? You want to go to the next level, but that didn't happen for me. Like, it, you know, it doesn't happen for about 99% of college players. So I ended up putting down the cleat. So that was a dream God had put in me that got me out of the holler. But and it got me to University of Virginia. But then that was it. You know, now my dream, you know, to play football is is dead because I'm not going to play professional football. So what's next, Lord? 
So, you know, so I had to, uh, you know, and that's something I want to encourage your listeners and viewers is that, you know what, a dream, God gives us dreams. And I believe that dream, you know, was the motivation that helped me get from where I was, you know, from out of hopelessness to hope. But then eventually that dream came to an end. And now I had to say, okay, Lord, what's next? You know, what what do you want me to do to glorify you? And really the rest of my life kind of, you know, came out of that. I met my wife, Andrea at UVA. You know, we ended up going to the DR, like you said, you know, for to be missionaries for a year, came back to Charlottesville, started raising a family, had five kids here, raised them here. And and then a few years later, uh, worked as an engineer. Then a few years later, came to advancing native missions, you know, to to do what I'm doing. And so, again, th- th- those God shifts, you know, and, yeah. you know, having that dream, you know, starting. And I want to just encourage people to, like you said, Shana, you know, doesn't matter where you begin in life. You know, it's like the race, right? Doesn't ma- matter how you start. It matters how you finish it. And so, you know, you want to, so no matter where you start, no matter how hard it is, how difficult, you know, wrong side of the tracks, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, you have a God that loves you. He created you with purpose. You know, he's with you, for you, in you. And all you got to do is turn to him, believe in him, trust in him, and he's going to help you in life and whatever your situation is. So again, just want to encourage, you know, all those that are listening out there. So, Oliver, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to share some of the ways that the listeners can overcome disruption, just like you have been able to what seems like master. So we'll be right back. Okay, sounds good. This episode is brought to you by the free guide when God says shift. Inside, you'll discover the four shifts required to reveal God's plan to ditch disruption or delay and get his blessings faster. Head to GodSaysShift.com to access it now. All right. Welcome back. So, Oliver, you shared a lot with us about different things that you have had to overcome in your life. We've shared some nuggets of, you know, things that we need to take into consideration when tough times come our way. I love the fact that just before the break that you were talking about, you know, that there is hope on the other side when our dreams don't come true the way that we think they should. And I think that one of the biggest takeaways here is that although disruption will come into our lives, I was just telling my Soon, my son will be 26 in four days. And I was telling him this morning, you have a right to feel however it is that you want to feel in response to something that happens to you. But you have to learn how to get to the point where you react to it in a way that the outcome is not going to be worse than whatever it is that you're responding to. And sometimes that can be so difficult when when our emotions get involved, if we're ang- angry, if we're sad, if we're disappointed. But I do believe that there is a way for disruption to actually be used as a tool to make our lives better. So if someone is listening to this episode right now and they're like, I'm really struggling with this. I I, obviously Shana and Oliver are evidence that you can use disruption as a tool to shift your life to a more positive place, but I'm really struggling to figure out how I can do that. What would be one tip, your best tip that you could give of how they can shift their life to a more positive place when it's not looking so positive right now. So Shana, wow. Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say that first of all, is that there are things that happen in our lives that 
we have no control over. You know, and even like in the world, like you were saying, you know, with the news, while we're seeing on the news, different happenings in the world, right? We, we don't have any control over those and things that come up, you know, into our lives. But what we do have control over are our attitudes and our actions. Yes. And so that's what I would say is no matter what has disrupted your world, whether you, a lot of times, again, there's, you don't have control over them, but if you do or don't, what you can control is your attitude toward it. You know, and I've learned a long time ago, Shana, not to trust my feelings, like you said, you know, to to just, you know, respond automatically. But really, again, it goes back for me, Shana, to, to daily habits, you know, getting up, you know, again, spending time with the Lord, reading the word, devotions, you know, having that prayer time. And then really, you know, out of what you put into you, right, out of what you're filled up with, then you're able to respond to whatever happens. And so, and again, no matter whether it's good or bad or ugly, you know, I can control my attitude. I can still have a good attitude, maybe momentarily, you know, I'm disoriented. I'm like, wow, where did this come from? Left field. But, you know, once I kind of collect myself then I can say, okay, you know, so this, here's the truth. The truth is God's word. All things happen for good. There's no condemnation. You know, we are God's children. He has a purpose. We're more than conquerors, you know, all of those things and go back and, and, and make sure that my attitude is reflecting that. And then my actions then follow accordingly. Right. So if it's, you know, somebody has shown me hate or somebody has, you know, diss me or whatever, you know, I can respond to them in love, you know, in kindness. And so again, that coming out of the right attitude first, and then the actions follow. And Shana, that's to me is like the most simple way to, you know, to handle again, those, even the the small or the big disruptions in our lives, you know, just one at a time, right attitude, right actions. Yeah, that's so good. Right attitude, right actions. I'm going to call my son when we hang up and tell him that. Like, and, one, and another thing. <laughs> but anyhow, we have to bring this great conversation to a close, unfortunately. So, Oliver, where can our listeners follow you? So, of course, uh, so I will mention our website. So, uh, first of all, I do have a website myself for my book, Invincible Joy, OliverAsher.com. We have a website, advancingnativemissions.com, if they want to learn more about what we do. I am on Instagram as well, Oliver Asher Official. And then on Facebook, you can find find me uh, on the Advancing Native Missions page. So those are the primary ways to, to find me, to find Advancing Native Missions and the missionaries we serve. Awesome. And so if our listeners want to take things further with you, what would you like to offer? So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I would be open to, you know, conversation, email would probably be. Do they get your book, perhaps? Oh, maybe they could, you know, get my book. Yeah. So three reasons I wrote this one for the glory of God, two to to encourage readers out there, especially those that are without hope, you know, and then three really to open doors to be able to advocate for our native missions. Uh, so, you know, those are really, you know, the primary reasons I wrote the book. Hopefully they will be encouraged. And yeah, that would be number one. And then out of that, you know, who knows, you know, a conversation, be glad to follow up. Okay, perfect. And if they want to get the book, tell us the URL for that one more time. So, yeah, so actually it's on Amazon. The easiest and best place to, to get it is just go to Amazon, uh, you know, search Invincible Joy and, you know, it's an easy find. Perfect. I will make sure that the link to all of those things are in the show notes. Oliver, thank you so much for being here. I know that our listeners are going to be blessed from the gems that you have dropped today. Audience, again, please share, share, share this because everyone needs to figure out how to have the right attitude and the right actions and be able to find joy despite what it is 
that God has thrown their way. So share, share, share this episode again, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. I pray that this has blessed you and that you will consider listening to an episode again next week and go back and listen to some old episodes if you're new here. So thank you again for being here. It's Shana Rattler signing off. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.